welcome to episode 35 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Hales. Glad to be bringing you another episode of the only show that features your original classical guitar compositions. And if this is your first time joining me, the way the show works is simply this. You send an mp3 recording of your original classical guitar composition to chris at classicalguitarcomposers.com. It's that simple. You send it to me, tell me about it, I air it on the show. So, thank you for joining me today. As I'm speaking, it is a nice, crisp November morning. I'm just coming to the end of a few days off I've had to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday here in America. It's been nice to have a little break from work. And I had every intention of recording my latest composition during this break. I was real excited to, and I kind of ran into a dilemma where I had to make a decision because the strings on my guitar are dead. And I mean, dead. I can't even remember when I last changed them. I mean, it would have been this year, but it, it's probably as far back as like February that I changed my guitar strings. I used to change them several times a year, and these days I'm, I'm a little more lazy about it, but but they're dead, and I, I've decided I, I don't want to record this piece until I get some new strings, so I've got to order some new strings. And maybe uh, during the Christmas holiday I will get that recorded. I don't teach guitar anymore, but when I did, I, I'd say the majority of my students were teenage boys. And I used to give this advice to parents all the time, and even like just anybody, if, if, if they're asking me about, you know, if they tell me their kid is going to be learning guitar, if they ask for any advice, I give them this one. I say, yeah, get a guitar stand and have them keep it on the stand rather than in a case. This might sound blasphemous to some of you, I know, but my reasoning is this. If it's sitting in a case, they're less likely to take it out. Unless you're being strict about an appointed practice time and all that, but still. Even if you are, even if you're saying your practice time is this and your kid is doing that practice, if it's not in a case, the kid is more likely, during moments of boredom, to grab that guitar and fiddle around on it. And it's that simple. If if it's in a case and the kid's bored, he, I'd say 99% of kids, they're not taking that guitar out. But if a kid's bored and he's in his room and the guitar's sitting there, he might just grab it and, you know tinker around on it while he's trying to think of something to do. And this is true for me. I generally... I have plenty of guitars. I'd say most of them are in cases, but the ones I'm actually playing, I usually keep out. But the exception has always been my classical. Like, like my electric um, is hanging on the wall so that, you know, sometimes I have a few minutes, pull it off, play a little guitar, whatever. But uh, my classical that I had built, because it's such a nice guitar and, and that, you know, I didn't just buy this thing from a store, it was made by a friend and it's, it's just a wonderful guitar, I've always kept it in the case until, I don't know how long ago I stopped. And the reason why was 
I was not really adhering to a practice time and I was playing it less and less and so I was like you know what I'm just going to take my own advice keep it out of the case and you know that way it I'm going to at least get in these little 10 5 to 10 minute tinker around guitar practices rather than only when I've decided to actually pull it out and practice and sometimes those little 10 minute tinker sessions lead to compositions you know when you when I sit down and just start like improvising a lot of ideas have been born out of those kind of times all that being said I think that when you don't keep the guitar in the case the strings go dull faster <laughs> I think like like these strings they went dull quite a while ago and I think that there is a difference. I've noticed there, the guitar's a little dirtier, of course. I mean, I I keep it clean, you know, but I but I'm having to clean it more often. But I've noticed the strings, just you know, they pick up dust. That's just you know, just your regular household dust. It it gets into your strings, and it. I don't think it lasts as long. I've never really noticed it with like electric guitars because. Uh, the strings don't matter as much on an electric, but uh, with classical, I'm a little bit more snobby about my strings, I guess. I, I order, you know, a more expensive string set that I like. I like the, the tones. I do the same thing with violin. Violin strings, like, really make a difference a lot more, more than even, like, classical guitar. But same the the classical guitar strings when when my guitar was built he gave it to me with these nice strings on it and then when it came time to change them i i just threw on like what i'd always used it was such a drop in quality of sound i've never been able to go back so i immediately ordered the nice strings and anyway i still think it's worth it to keep the guitar out i'd rather have to buy strings more often or even play on dull strings more than miss out on all those times of just grabbing the guitar for five, ten minutes. So, that's what I always recommend to my students. But the consequence has been, I have to delay recording my piece. <laughs> my friend Jeremy sent me this article about something I was unaware of, and it was that the actor or comedian or whatever he is, Jonah Hill, is going to be playing Jerry Garcia in a Martin Scorsese film about Jerry Garcia, I guess. I don't know if it's focused particularly particularly on Jerry or if it's about the Grateful Dead in general, but I'm interested. I'm a little nervous about it. I, uh, I'm not really a fan of Jonah Hill. But if he, you know, I'll give him a chance. I, I often think that a casting sounds really stupid, and then I see it, and I go, okay, actually, they were really good. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to wait this one out. I just hope they, uh, I hope they do it right. I'm not even quite sure what right would be. I just love Jerry Garcia. And I'm not sure how many Martin Scorsese movies I've seen. I mean, I know I've seen several. But in my mind, they're they're dark and really gritty, which is great. 
but it uh, it's not what I think of when I think of Jerry Garcia. Although, I mean, Jerry definitely had a troubled life, definitely had uh, a dark side to his life. So I've, I really hope they treat it fairly. I'm worried they're going to like over overdo it. I, I bet it'll be really good, though. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. I think it's been long enough to say now. Uh, I, I did not care for the new Halloween movie very much. I wouldn't say I hated it, but I loved the last one from a few years ago, and this one being the follow-up to that, I was really excited about, and I, I just didn't think it was all that good. It felt more to me like the Rob Zombie Halloweens, which were pretty terrible. And, well, you know, I mean, I actually did enjoy it. I, I kind of want to see where they're going, because I, it's, it's a trilogy, I guess. And so, this is definitely the part two. So we'll see where they're going with part three, but I just, I was a little disappointed. I also saw Dune, and I really liked Dune. I thought they did a good job with Dune. They, they, a few things maybe could be better, but overall, I thought it was, it was good. And my first impressions were, wow, that movie was excellent. You know, I just left, I left the theater saying that was great. I loved it. And then, you know, as I have time to think about it, I'm like, well, they didn't really do this. And they, you know, they kind of got this character wrong. So, but, you know, in the moment, my initial reaction was that it was great. So, yeah. I hope that's my reaction to the Jerry Garcia film. All right, with that, let's get into some email. I, uh, I don't think I have, I'm a little bit groggy this morning. I've been staying up way too late having a few days off in a row I've totally wrecked my sleep schedule and doing a morning podcast here I don't want to get too rambly I am enjoying some really good coffee this morning though I mean this is good Joe I went up to Salt Lake and went to my favorite roaster I don't normally you know I usually just buy my coffee at the grocery store but when I'm up there I like to stop in. It's called Rimini Coffee. If you're ever in Salt Lake City, Rimini Coffee is just the best. They are so good. Okay, so today we'll be featuring music by Martin Slater, our friend from across the pond. And last episode, I had said there hadn't been any new submissions, but I had forgotten about some. So I got this from Martin. But real quick, I also was able to get that uh, guitar concert review written by Martin up on the website classicalguitarcomposers.com and I highly recommend reading it I, I quite enjoyed it Martin is a friend of the show he often writes in and I think his writing is good and I just I enjoyed the review so I thought I would share that with all of you so if you go to classicalguitarcomposers.com you can now read the review of the guitar recital by Craig Ogden and Gary Ryan and Martin writes now seriously have you run out of submitted music you do after all have my studies or is there some interesting reason you're keeping them back never fear I'm not pressing you but I thought it was otherwise a curious statement to make <laughs> no I had just lost those in the 
electronic stack, if you will. Uh, but no, absolutely, not. <laughs> I did not did not reject Martin's pieces. Um, I'm more than happy to air them today. Martin continues, my own music is currently in a nail-induced pause as three out of four nails decided to crack almost simultaneously and also steadfastly refused to give in to my gluing efforts. They should be okay for my next society meeting on the 24th of November, which is one of our themed occasions, this time either Piazzolla or Giuliani. I will do the latter because I have a number of his pieces in my riding a bike category. <laughs> I can literally just sit down and play them better with nails, of course. Do you have pieces like that? Yeah. Uh, oh, I like the way you put that. I do. Um, mine would be a few of the short Tarraga pieces. Like, oh, I really like the Mazurka in Soul and the Mazurka Sueño, or whatever that's called. Yeah, stuff. some of the stuff I learned early on and then played a thousand times in a, in a restaurant setting are, are very much my riding the bike pieces. I like that, Martin. I've never, I've never heard it put that way. I would add Villalobos' first prelude to that, and maybe the fifth. But really, if I sit down and read through them like once they're back and I do have one Giuliani piece at least that I would say is like that and it was it's one of the characteristic pieces and it's La Melanconia I think that's I think that's what it's called and I definitely have some that aren't oh you know what else the castles of Spain I've played those so much those, those are in there too yeah, I really, I really like the way you've put that. Pieces that are not just the riding the bike pieces for me, I think would be some of the more difficult stuff I've taken on that never, like, um, Rodrigo's, uh, I think it's three Spanish pieces. I can't think what it's called, but there's one, there's one that a lot of people do. I don't think a ton of people do all three as far as recordings and recitals go. I've heard the the one a lot more, but and I think it's the first one of the group. That's the one that opens with the th the big chords. It's like um bum 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 ba -da 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 -da. you know. Anyway, that one that one was really fun to learn. It was hard, and it is not a ride the bike piece. <laughs> at all so yeah I guess there's I guess there's both most are probably right in between for me but anyway Martin continues I have had a recent literary exploit that I submitted to my open university music society journal the editor had found a quote from Mozart which caught my attention the music is not in the notes but in the silences between this, of course, got me thinking of the American composer John Cage and his piece 433, where he instructs the performer to sit there with their instruments in silence for that period of time. Anyway, I hope you are slash have <laughs> sorted slash sorting your interesting conundrum with your neighbors. I know some folks 
do rather have an inflated sense of their own importance. All the best, Martin. Uh, I've made no progress with the neighbors. I've just kind of forgotten about it and let it go. <laughs> they did trick-or-treat at our house. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm more amused by it at this point than anything. Neighbor kid's not allowed to talk to me, but he is allowed to take candy from me. <laughs> anyway, listen, I, I adore Mozart. And I think the silence is between... The, the key word there is between. <laughs> I, I have to say, I'm, I'm not a John Cage fan. I'm not a fan of that whole line of philosophy more than composition. And my basic take on, on him is keep your philosophy out of my music. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like the abandonment of tonality that happens in the early 20th century. And at first, there's like a. There's still some objectively beautiful music within it. And, you know, I, I find a lot of it quite interesting. And a lot of 20th century stuff is more fun to play than it is to listen to. And so if you start to actually play some of it, it can be better enjoyed. But when you get into a guy who, like, just makes a bunch of noise and claims that the sound of traffic is music, and he, you know, it's like, oh, here's John Cage performing his sonata, and he's, like, turning on a blender and a, you know, whatever. I'm just, you, you can tell me all you want that, that this is smart and that it's forward thinking and that it's it's brilliant and all this but I think it's just stupid that's how I feel about it nobody heard John Cage as a kid and that's what brought them to music and I don't know what brought you to classical music out there I can only speak from my own experience but I'm pretty sure it wasn't John Cage <laughs> and maybe I have this I don't know I, I just have no I just have no patience for that stuff anymore. Like, because when I was in college and had to take classes on this and had to take it seriously and had to deal with professors who, you know, would roll their eyes at Bach, one professor in particularly, you know, rolls his eyes at Bach but is into like this stuff, you know, he's, he was all about what I guess he considered current, even though, I mean, was it really current? It wasn't John Cage only and not John Cage particularly, but just that, you know, I, the, like this professor's pieces were his early pieces. He'd shown me some of his earlier works and I thought they were really good. I thought they were really cool. He was, he'd done some like big band stuff. He uh, had gone through like a phase where he was obsessed with Leonard Bernstein and was kind of mimicking that. And I thought it was really cool. And then at some point, I guess he, he got more, I guess what he considered beyond that. But then it was just, there, I couldn't recognize musicality in it. And I just thought, you know, 
do you get so bored with music that this is what you want to do to it? I, d I don't like it. <laughs> I don't understand it. Uh, and at the very least, I do think we should still have respect for Bach and Mozart and Beethoven and whatever it is. Maybe your introduction to classical music was guitar, it's, you know, guitar. Maybe it was Barrios or... Tariga, but my guess is it was something tonal. Having said all that, you're welcome to submit atonal music to this show. If it's original composition, I'm not going to deem it composition or not. If you're giving it to me, it's recorded, it's on a real guitar, and you wrote it, I will accept it. Anyway, uh, so what are your thoughts on John Cage Martin? <laughs> you mentioning him. Is that what you wrote about? You said you had the literary exploit that you submitted. I'm curious what it was. Or was it this guitar review? I don't know. Anyway, let me know. And uh, you might totally disagree with me. Which is great. That'd be fun. Anyway, having gone down that little side road, let's get back on the highway. I recommend pausing the podcast and pouring yourself a nice cold glass of iced tea or something else that you might enjoy a little relaxation and we'll listen to these 12 studies by Martin Slater. Martin did have some notes on these but uh, I've decided not to read them because I was as I was reading through them they seem more just kind of directions for the player and probably not quite as important to the listening experience. But I will uh, note that he does say that number 12 could be subtitled finale. It if they are played as a set. So with that information, here is 12 Studies by Martin Slater.
Okay, and there it is. We've just heard 12 Studies by Martin Slater, written back in the 1980s. Very cool. Thank you, Martin. And thank you, everybody, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to bring you this episode. I will return in December with another episode of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. And please remember, if you'd like to support the show and get a little something in return, I have a couple of suites for sale. You just go to classicalguitarcomposers.com and click on the sheet music link, and you'll see a couple of my compositions for sale. It's a great way to support the show. With that, I thank you for joining me. I will see you next time. Until then, keep on plucking.